Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Champions of Inspiration. I'm your host, Scott Schilling. We're going to have some fun here today. Got a new friend on board. Jay Riffenberry is joining us. He's the 2017 Vistage Speaker of the Year. So many accolades, I can't even go through them. We're going to just hit it and go. Jay, thanks for joining me here today. Scott, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, well, that had to be pretty cool. Vistage is such a great organization to be named Speaker of the Year for an organization like that. It was humbling. Um, I mean, there's over a thousand speakers. So to have that recognition was was truly wonderful. And it was during, you know, a, a challenging year as well. But uh, um, that that uh, certainly made it worthwhile in regard to my affiliation with Vistage. I've had the opportunity to be uh, or conduct at least, well, I think it's like getting close to 750 presentations over the years. Wow. And, um, so it's been a real honor to be in front of uh, executives and, and business professionals and leaders and uh, share my message and share my heart. And it seems to still be, especially with uh, everything that's been happening uh, and all the challenges that are out there, you know, politically, socially, economically, educationally, you name it, um, that uh, the heart and soul of the presentation all centers around character. So that's really the emphasis of getting people to take a step back, take a deep breath, really reboot, reflect, recenter, and take an assessment of what they stand for, what they believe in, the values that drive their decisions, the values that form their character. And uh, it seems to be continue to be well-received and always evolve. So that's been a blessing as well. So you're saying that with the pandemic, some people's characters uh, maybe have been modified somewhat? <laughs> Well, I don't know how far you want to go down that rabbit hole, but uh, <laughs> I can share with you, yeah, there's some elements there of leadership and political leadership that certainly has, I believe, uh, compromised an understanding of, of true character, true leadership, and um, I think we can learn lessons from it, but certainly a lot is being exposed. I mean, there's a lot of advantages to technology. There's a lot of uh, overwhelming things about technology and social media, but uh, one, one what I consider damaging part of social media is when you have a large number of people who are basing their self-worth and value on how many likes they get on Facebook. I think we're going down a socially slippery slope there. But, you know, back to the topic at hand in regard to character, you know, what we're seeing out there is, I think, a wonderful opportunity to generate a reason for the discussion around leadership and character and what it means to be personally honest, you know, projecting what you're living and living what you're projecting or what you're projecting and not living. Well, it, and there is so much uh, imposter syndrome. There's so much, uh, so many different things going on. Now you've got an international bestseller called "No Excuse." Uh, wait a second, well, "No Excuse: Incorporating Core Values, Accountability, and Balance into Your Life and Career." Now, is that something we need right now? <laughs> Well, actually, the book uh, was first published in 95, believe it or not. So wow. a couple after that, Return to Your Core, um, that's my latest book. But um, that's what's been truly a kind of a blessing. Uh, not kind of, it really is. I mean, when I put the program together years ago and to see that it's still more than relevant today, and, and again, it has evolved. So everything that happens out there seems to add to the not necessarily in the necessity, but the the building up of the content and, you know, life experiences contributing to the reason why uh, accountability is essential and personal honesty is critical and integrity is absolutely relevant and forgiveness is necessary and, and those type of things. So it's evolved in regard to just my own life 
kind of growth and uh, experiences and ups and downs along the way um, that's added to the, the content of the presentation. And it's been really just remarkable. So it's all been word of mouth for 30 years. So, Yeah, that's, well, that's a fabulous testament in and of itself right there. So, but core values, there's a reason they're called core values. They tend not to change over time uh, and, and become the foundation to really live from. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. And the, the nature of the presentation kind of creates an understanding that core values go way beyond some fluffy words on the wall in the workplace. I mean, they're the heart and soul of, of why and how we exist. Uh, one of the exercises I do with my audience is I call it your core four, because I love to ask people, when was the last time you took some quiet time and asked yourself, what are three or four values that I really believe define my character? And that when the curveball is thrown my way, what's my backstop? What do I hold on to? In an organization, I always use the analogy that core values in a company are like the guardrails on the road. They keep us on the road. We're going to hit, we're going to swerve. We're going to hit some bumps along the way. That's a normal process in growth and success. But at least those core values keep us in a direction, allows us to hold people accountable. And, you know, accountability is not a bad word. I mean, it's, 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 it allows us to, to make sure we're, we're not getting off the road and people are whining and blaming and making excuses and justifying why they're miserable and can be disrespectful. So core values allow that, that all leadership and everyone to kind of collaborate in regard to really what do we stand for and believe in as an organization. And then one of my favorites, other than just the personal core four uh, and the organizational importance of core values, um, is I always love to ask my executive group, so when was the last time you sat around the dinner table and asked your own children, what do you think the core values of our family might be? Yeah. And that always gets some jaws to drop. You know, we can spend all this time, energy, and effort and money on values in an organization, but we don't sit and take a moment in time and go to maybe our eight-year-old, our 12-year-old, our 16, our 28-year-old and go, you know, what's held us together as a family over all these years? Has it been our resiliency, our courage, our loyalty to one another, our transparency, our compassion, our empathy, you know, and, and get, the, get the young ones to say, hey, what, what defines us as a family? And I've received so many nice comments and notes and cards from executives who just said, hey, thanks. I assume the kids know, but I never really thought about asking them. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's been, that's been really fun as well. Well, I think that, that it's a very important point and, and something that I think has been lost in just the American family or the definition of the American family these days and things like that. And I think it would be a, a great adder. Uh, I don't know that it's taught at any of the lower levels in schools as to what a core value is, what it could be, mm -hmm. and why you need it. I mean, yeah, I, well, I, I, I've I got a whole part of my book on core values as well. I think it's tremendously important. So, you know, Scott, we can just go to yesterday's news and, and Disney and the sexualization of our children. I mean, we're putting more priority on gender identity than we are in character. You know, yeah. I, I was down in my hometown yesterday, Kingston, New York, and I did a presentation pro bono because it's my hometown and it was for the chamber leadership group. And we were just having a discussion on things. And I was sharing my outline, again, core values, accountability, personal honesty, integrity, very much a blueprint for character development. And I doubt seriously that that's being taught in our schools. Right. Uh, you know, when they're emphasizing K through four, where, you know, children are just coming into their own trying to figure out, you know, the fact that they can walk. And now we're trying to instill in them some type of sexual, you know, understanding at that type of age. I think it's absurd. So. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, it, it, it's interesting. I know in our, in our call that we had the other day, we shared it a little bit, but there was an organization that, that uh, one of the things that first attracted me to them is that they led with their core values mm-hmm. out to the marketplace. But one of the things that caused me to stop working with them very quickly is they broke every one of their core values publicly yeah. <laughs> after right. touting them. You, you can't sit there and say, hold me accountable to these values, uh, like importance of their employees, importance of, you know, team members are, employee, uh, are important. And then you see the boss dressing down one of the employees in front of everybody. Right. I mean, again, one of the most dangerous and I think insulting words in the English language is hypocrite. And, you know, the worst thing we can do from an organizational standpoint is to promote core values and say we're all this and and that and put them on the wall and promote them on our website and then not live them. I mean, I might as well just and I have so many experiences of, of that happening at times. And that's personal dishonesty and personal dishonesty, whether it be from an organizational perspective or a personal perspective, are the people who project one thing and live another. So if I'm projecting to the world and I'm an honorable man, yet behind the scenes, I'm living a dishonorable life. There's no way I can be happy because I'm living an internal lie. And that is why that is why there's no direct correlation direct now between money, things, wealth, fame, power and happiness. Because if there were a direct correlation, and I like nice things, I think we all do, and I'm humbled I can provide for my family. But if there were a direct correlation between all the stuff that people strive for every day and happiness, then we could take a field trip to the wealthiest places of the greater Dallas area or Houston area or New York City or wherever it may be. And then all the people have the most stuff, wouldn't they be the best example of happiness and fulfillment? Why are the people out there, you know, who have all kinds of stuff and are miserable and dysfunctional, and yet there's other people out there who don't have all that much and seem to be pretty content. And I've learned in my 66 years almost of life, and I've learned it before you know, today, is the fact that at the end of the day, what I drive, what I wear, what I live in doesn't define my character. What defines my character is how I treat that homeless person, the stranger, my wife, my children, my neighbor, someone who doesn't look or believe quite like I do. I think that's a little bit better indicator of my character than what I own. And yeah, no, totally. Yeah, and, and no one out there listening, I believe, will remember someone who had a positive, and here's the key word, enduring impact on their life because of what they owned. It was always the content of their character, what they gave more than what they took. And the fact that they believed enough in you, and here's the takeaway here, they believed uh, believed enough in you to share a part of their heart, mind, and soul to make you a better person. Why do we remember our mentors and our role models and our teachers, our coaches? didn't have to do with stuff. It had to do with the fact that they believed that we could be more than who we are today. And that's the beauty of leadership, that all of us listening have the ability each and every day to instill in others that they can be more than who they are today. What a wonderful reason to wake up in the morning. Yeah, totally agree. I, I did a radio show in Miami yesterday and they asked me about leadership. And we went back to the days when I was playing uh, college football at the University of Iowa, go Hawks, for the great Hayden Fry. <laughs> and uh, Hayden was just such an amazing, why he's a legendary coach. And because of the investment he made in everybody, and even when he was chewing your butt, it was it was an investment in you to become better. Right. But it wasn't because he was a legend and he was already a legend back then. I mean, he's certainly legendary, even greater at this point. But to, the honor of being able to play for a man like that, that invested in your greater good, mm-hmm. in making you a better human being and you know, doing what it took to do that, including yelling at you or ripping your butt if you needed it. it where, where'd that go? 
it seems like we've lost well, some no, of that. <laughs> that's another rabbit hole anyway when, I, <laughs> when i'm in front of uh well years ago i wouldn't be you know there were when the millennials uh, began the the title of millennials and now we have gen z's and everything else um, but I actually apologize to my young people because my generation, the baby boomers, I think all of us may recall, we started the self-esteem craze, right? We're going to make our kitties feel good. Then they'll do better. Boy, that backfired big time. You know, self-esteem, you know, everybody gets a participation ribbon and a trophy. And what are you kidding me? We don't keep score. See, the interesting thing is self-esteem in the dictionary is defined as pride in oneself. Pride in the dictionary is defined as dignity and self-respect. You can't give a human being dignity and self-respect. You can provide them encouragement, you can provide them support, but dignity and self-respect is earned and it's earned based on behavior. Behavior is based on understanding their values. So that's, again, it all comes full circle. So if I have no idea what my values are, then I'm allowing out there to dictate how I become or what I should become. And I talk a lot about vulnerability and my triple crown of leadership, a way to maintain a level of humanness in the workplace. And that is vulnerability plus humility plus transparency equals authenticity. And in my 30 plus years of being out there, I've never seen such a yearning for authentic leadership in all of my life. And when people are anxious and there's trepidation, the role of vulnerability is absolutely critical because it allows us to see that we're writing, writing this thing called life with everybody else. And I know as a leader, when I'm willing to let my walls down a little bit, then those around me are more willing to let their walls down a little bit. So communication is increased. And if we can do that, then they're always as a result and result of that is a greater level of trust. So, Well, and it takes trust to, to accomplish anything. I, I share all the time that people do business with those they know, like, and trust. Assume if they don't know you, that they don't like you and assume if they don't like you, they don't trust you, but it's imperative that they trust you to do business with you. Uh, But, but it's not just business. Uh, Those people, people date those they know, like, and trust people marry those they know, like, and trust people divorce those they don't trust. <laughs> There's there, As soon as the trust is gone, it's amazing what happens, whether it be in personal life, professional life, anything. And I think that's one of the things we're, we're facing this, oh. this void of trust sure. right now. Uh, this he, sh- he said, she said, uh, two different sides of what is really happening versus what is said to be happening. Right. Yeah, I mean, trust in the media, trust in politicians, trust in educators, trust in the media. I, we can go on and on and on. I mean, we have certainly created a blanket of mistrust because we have been lied to um, on, on many different levels. And, you know, I don't have all the answers or all the roots of all the, the, the dishonesty that's been occurring or the manipulation that's been happening or the narcissism that is really being that, by the way, that is a huge trend right now. The right. narcissism that the people are so caught up in themselves that they can justify any behavior because it's never their fault. And I emphasize if we have narcissists in our organizations, leaders better be aware because they're 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 not there to support the organization. They're out there only to benefit themselves. And and certainly social media and, and, and the focus on me, me, me certainly has contributed this idea that you know the world revolves around me. Well, that's not what we're all about. No, I totally again totally agree. The the uh, somebody said to me one day, uh, as as I was sharing with them about the show, and hey, I'd like to talk to you about coming onto my show. Well, how many people see it? I said I don't know. And they said, "What kind of answer is that?" I said, "Truthful, truthful." 
I said, the, the reality is with all the, we go out over a hundred different networks and 25 different podcast networks and to, to assimilate all that information is, is basically impossible. And, and so any number I would give you would be inaccurate. So I don't want to be inaccurate. So why would I, I say my point is, again, I quote mother Teresa, almost every show, somehow this quote comes out. If you can't feed a hundred feed one. If you, if you simply accomplish finding the one with the one message, it's amazing what, what and, change, and, what improvement can happen, right? You know, and that, that, that old saying too, when the student's ready, the teacher appears, right? And, you know, not all students are ready. And, and so I always look at my audiences and those that I share my message with, you know, who's ever supposed to be, they're supposed to be there. And that's the way I look at it. I'm just the messenger. And, and one of my favorite lines is, uh, that's really the theme of the presentation, is you teach best in life what you want to learn the most. Everybody listening, remember that. You teach best in life what you want to learn the most. So if you love something, your greatest joy is to share what you love. Maybe it's art, literature, music, the outdoors, cooking, wine, whatever the case may be. Your greatest joy is to share what you love. And it comes full circle in the presentation. Um, just to be open to to be vulnerable with, with you. Um, he, my father passed when I was 11. I never knew what I wanted to be, but I know if he didn't pass, I wouldn't be doing and sharing this message to the thousands of people I share it with. So I, I look at things that way. My wife and I went through a challenging time. We reconciled, we're back together, we're happier than ever. That adds to the presentation because that doesn't happen a lot when people go through that challenging time. We're like losing my sister, my only sibling in December, December 22nd, in a tragic, tragic accident. You know, and I've been able to incorporate that into the presentation and not in a self-serving way, but just to let people though know that I'm right there with them. We, you know, we all have our stuff. We're all dysfunctional. We all have crazy uncles. We all have crazy people in our lives. And and to, to get up in front of a group of people and think that we're I'm all knowing or any leader getting getting up in front of a group and you know I, I'm I'm infallible. You know, it's just such a mistake. So by opening up my heart, and, and I give people lessons from that. I mean, I look at, um, you know, my sister, that was, that was a tough one. And, um, you know, I, I use this, we're all thrown curveballs, but you have two types of people. You have the first person when the curveball's thrown, they don't even have the courage to step up at the plate and take the attack. And they'll cow in a corner, the wine, blame, complain, find some excuse. And then the other per type of person, which I hope all of our listeners are, that, you know, when the curveball is thrown our way, we may strike out or hit it over the fence, but at least we had the guts and the courage to step up to the plate and take the at bat. You know, the loss of my sister, Deborah, certainly um, forced me to go, all right, let me, you know, let me reassess a few things here. What are some different priorities? You know, I have a good 20 years left, I hope. <laughs> You know, but, you know, when someone is crushed by rubble, which happened to my sister, a portico collapsed on her, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you know what tomorrow is going to bring. So living each day to its fullest and being kind and being nice and being generous, you know, I have my questions for life. What would you like to be remembered for? Right. Who are your role models and mentors? And if you think of a role model or mentor, have you told them? Right? Yeah. It's the most beautiful gift you can give to another person is to validate that they have purpose in your life. So all, all kinds of wonderful things that I get excited about. <laughs> no, I, again, that's why we resonate so well. I mean, not to 
put in a shameless plug, but let me put in a shameless plug for you. <laughs> my, my latest book, That Sucks, What Now? What now? Right. Real World Solutions for Getting Through What You're Going Through. Yeah. Um, this comes directly out of, out of my near-death experience. Mm -hmm. And as I came through, the only thing I could find is negative information that was basically saying, you know, in essence, it was like, if you're reading this, you shouldn't be, you should be dead. And it's like, I'm a little offended by that. And so I wanted to, to document and create a path. If anybody was as fortunate to come through something like I did, that they had a better, you know, a better supply of information than, well, dang it, you made it, you sure. know, I mean, it, it was really uh, not, not overly encouraging. And so that sucks. What now is really about that as well things are going to transpire in your career and in your life and in everything that, that are not always positive. No. They're not always good, but ultimately if you look back at them, there's a reason for them more than likely in something that can be leveraged to become good. Yes. You know, um, in doing this radio show that I did yesterday in, in Miami, he said, what's your greatest failure? I said, I haven't had one. And he said, well, wait a second. You haven't, haven't had things go wrong. Oh, I didn't say that. I've had lots of things go wrong, but when they go wrong, I look at it as a learning experience, not necessarily a failure. You know, Edison, when he was, you know, trying to come up with the light bulb, you know, quote unquote, had 10,000 failures. But when asked about it, he said, I didn't have a single failure. I just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. You know, right. so again, we're going to face things in our lives and in our careers that are, um, that are not so pretty more than likely, which is why this is champions of inspiration. It's about being inspired to come yeah. through. Yeah. And the other thing too, is, I mean, again, the role of forgiveness, I can't change 10 minutes ago. Am I going to change 10 years ago? And yet you look at how many people use so much energy focused on what should have been, might've been, could have been instead of what could be uh, and, and, and directing energy towards something that's destructive and negative instead of directing it towards something that's constructive and positive. And you think about forgiveness of self, right? I mean, we've, we've all failed, but I, I can't carry it around and use it as an excuse the rest of my life. Hopefully I grow from it, learn from it, benefit from it, and don't make the same mistake again. And I can go through a whole litany of things that I've done wrong. You know, forgiveness of others, right? We've all had people hurt us, but the reason you forgive others has nothing to do with them and has everything to do with us. And, you know, why would we let people who have hurt us live rent-free in our brains? Why would we let them live rent-free in our brains? Just sucking out emotional energy and, 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 and impacting whether we wake up with a smile on our face or not. I'll never forget the hurt. And I may not necessarily always have to forgive the person, but I can certainly forgive the situation and redirect that energy away from something that's self-destructive as well. So, I mean, those are the type of decisions and, and again, awarenesses that we create, you know, as we go through some of those challenges. And Again, everything, I just had no idea that when I put all these things together that they would, again, blossom and evolve. And, and yet they're fundamental. They're not, they're not, you know, wow, a breakthrough in understanding human behavior and, and a breakthrough in understanding why values are important. I mean, this, this, is, this is common sense stuff. And, you know, if, if we don't at least have some grounding in who we are and what we identify with and what we stand for and believe in, then again, we're lost souls. Well, you said something very important there, and that was the word common sense. And there is nothing so common as the lack of common sense right now is what it's right. I, I agree. 
<laughs> has nothing to do with left, right, liberal, conservative. I mean, we're talking leadership. We're talking value. Yeah. We're talking treating people with dignity and respect. And, you know, these, you know, you think about, again, the agendas that are out there that are self-serving to, again, their agendas at the destruction of, of everyone around them in many cases. I mean, with everything going on, the people who are getting hurt the most are the people who need the most, right? Yes. They're, they're the ones that have the least. And, you know, it, it's just amazing to me how they're just circumventing, and again, any common sense of awareness of what's going on. And, you know, I don't care what side of the aisle one's on, I, you know, when it comes to how we treat each other um, and, and how we work with one another and the fact that we do focus a little bit on being empathetic and humble and selfless and servant leadership. I mean, those are critical things. And, you know, I, I, I do feel a little bit... Uh, um, I'm concerned in regard to just, you know, what our children are being exposed to and how they're reprioritizing the basics in regard to character, self-respect, dignity, um, and an individual sense of purpose and what they stand for and what they believe in. Totally agree. I mean, my platform is really to create a worldwide global community full of people uh, with respect, honor, and dignity for all. But respect is how I view you and how I treat you. Honor is how I lift you up. Dignity is what we're both able to feel when we walk away from that interaction, you know, with that pride, as you said earlier, right? Self-respect, being able to do that. So uh, and it all starts, Scott, with core values. Right? Agreed. So, again, if, if, you know, as a young person, if I am not instilled some level of values that, that we work together to, to, to live up to, then again, there's no foundation. The guardrails aren't there. Um, there's no platform to base decisions on. And, and that's in an organization. I mean, it's one of the biggest thing core values are a benefit as well as it provides that foundation to make decisions. And uh, as long as that decision is aligned with the values, it may not be the perfect decision, but we're still moving forward. You know, just like in life, if one of my values to be an honorable man, yet, you know, hopefully I make those decisions to be honorable, which reinforces my own sense that I'm living a life that I, you know, have earned. One of the reasons that I suggest that people create their life purpose statement, mine is to inspire and empower others to serve humanity through living their life's purpose in spirit, love and joy. It becomes the filter by which decisions are made doing a show like this to inspire and empower others. Well, that's the audience to help them live their life's purpose. Hopefully they get the nuggets, the pieces in, in spirit closer to God than I've ever been. Love, love my wife, my family, friends more than I ever have joy. I get great joy out of doing these shows. So it becomes your life purpose statement becomes your filter by which you can judge things. Somebody comes and says, Hey, Scott, would you help rob a bank with me? Well, let me run it through my filter to inspire and empower others. Yeah, not so much to uh, help them live their life's purpose. Well, that's a pretty crummy purpose in spirit. No, I'm allergic to lightning. Uh, love. I don't think stealing your money is going to get you to love me. Joy. I might have fun, but that ain't going to be joy. So again, I think it's important that you have, you know, things like life purpose statement, core values, a variety of different things. To, to live your foundation from right right and enabling enabling destructive behavior based on the mindset that I'm a victim it just is just completely backfires um, when I did the eulogy for my sister um, you know I have my questions for life as I had mentioned earlier and you know I thought she'd want 
you know, people who were there to celebrate her life to take something away. So for example, I would ask the audience, so what are you doing to make your life relevant? And then I would share why I thought my sister's life was relevant. What would you like to be remembered for? Right. And then I would use my sister's and you know, an answer to what she'll be remembered for. You know, yeah. how do you inspire others? You know, why do people follow you? So it's one of those things where, you know, each and every day, what are we doing to make our life relevant? And part of that relevancy is what are we doing to impact others in a positive way? But again, I'll go back to that enabling thing. You know, when you enable destructive behavior based on some justification, it is absolutely you know, the worst thing we could do to uplift people or even have give them a, an opportunity to build a sense of character and who they are. Yeah, so much so, you know, the um, it, it's so funny because a recent guest on the show uh, reminded me of something I shared with her that when I just came came out of the hospital and, and did some things, one of the first things I did is went into a grocery store, just trying to do something normal. And as I was going down the aisle, I smiled at somebody and they stopped and they thought I had three heads, you know, and it was like, gosh, that's not that hard a thing to do. And it, it positively impacts two lives, yours and theirs. So why not do it? You know, well, my blueprint for character, I put it all under one umbrella. So again, core values, first of all, we must know what they are. We, we, we have to be consistent in living those values, which allows us to hold ourselves and others more accountable. And therefore we're being more personally honest because we're living a life that's a reflection of what we believe in. And so I put all of that under one umbrella and I go, here it is. How much fun is it to be nice? Just to <laughs> exactly. be nice. There's a cost, it's nothing, right? And it is, I, I, the same experience I had recently. I was on coming back from Memphis had four presentations there for again, Vistage groups. And, uh, you know, I, helped a couple of people with their overhead bag and a woman as I, you know, beyond me, as I was walking down the aisle, you know, starts to applaud. And it's like, why, why is it so yeah. unusual? Out of the ordinary. Yeah. Why does that have to be, you know, unusual to be kind to people and to help them? And yeah, she was appreciative of it, but I'm not expecting applause because I'm kind, you know, because I just know it's the right thing to do and open a door for someone or be pleasant. I mean, it's so much fun. You can change a person's day oh, around. Yeah just by being nice and kind. I can, I can actually see you accomplishing that in the aisle, then turning around going, thank you. I am a professional speaker. <laughs> right. Exactly. I am so accustomed. And the pageant wave, right? Exactly. Yeah. The pageant wave and everything like that. Uh, that's just what flashed in my head. I don't know. It was okay. bad flashback. Uh, anyway, it, hard to believe we've run, run close to our time. How about one last little piece of wisdom for everybody here today? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I still would like to encourage everyone to kind of take that, that little piece away of you teach best in life what you want to learn the most, because that's a very powerful mindset. Um, and if I had to, I guess I might as well just share with you, if I had to, to leave everyone with a thought, my favorite line that I had my presentations with, um, oh, here's another little piece of inspiration before I end. And that is uh, the way I define professionalism, emotional patience. Everybody remember that? Tuck that in your back pocket. Professionalism equals emotional patience. And look how that directly connects to understanding your core values. If you don't understand your core values, when you're under stress and pressure, you're more likely to become emotionally impatient. So it's a great little barometer in how we're dealing with stress uh, and anxiety is how we react to those things and maintaining our level of emotional patience. 
But I'll leave you, if, if I may, with what I always love, Emerson's definition of success, which I think is very inspirational. It just says, to laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better with a by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know one life has breathed easier because you have lived, this is to have succeeded. And, you know, you put all that under one umbrella and it really does, I think, summarize, you know, the best in humanity and the best in people. Awesome. Jay, thank you for being with us here today on Champions of Inspiration. Yeah. Anytime, anytime. We could go for a while. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to do a series of these. All of you, thank you for joining us here on Champions of Inspiration. We'll see you at the next event. Same time. God bless.